an amazing year. Um, God did some amazing things in the life of this church over the over this last year, and um, apparently a lot of them were called name descriptions. Um, Can you hear me now? This might be one of these Sundays where I just let it let it belt out. Can you hear me now? Preacher voice it is. All right. Preacher voice. All right. This morning, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. No, I am not yelling at anyone. I am just trying to project. So, 1 John chapter 1. So, do we have any, show of hands real quick, who made New Year's resolutions? Do we have anybody made New Year's resolutions? Okay. Now, do we have, hold those hands up high if you made New Year's resolutions. All right. How many of you guys have, team up, team up, team up, you're good. How many of you guys are still doing your New Year's resolutions. I saw some hands go down. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. All right. So when we do these New Year's resolutions, we come in and we say, man, I'm going to lose weight in 2020. Now, it hasn't worked the other 40 years, but I'm going to make it happen this year. And I'm going to I'm gonna manage my money well. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for about two weeks and do what I did before that. Um, it's kind of the trap that we fall into with these New Year's resolutions. Did anybody make a Did anybody make a spiritual New Year's resolution to read their Bible more or to pray more? Any, any of those? Anybody start a new Bible reading plan? Awesome! I love that. If you haven't, there's some great ones on YouVersion. Um, so starting a Bible reading plan—that's a great plan. It's a great thing. But I've done this before, where I get into it, I say, you know what? I am going to read the whole Bible every day for a year. And, and I'm going to read it in Greek and Hebrew. Um, and, you know, I start, the, I start with these very lofty goals. And sometimes I have a lofty goal, but I kind of know what I'm going to do. And I say, well, I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. And so if I read five chapters of the Bible a day, I can read the whole Bible in a year. And it works great as long as no one disrupts my schedule, Right. So for the first week, maybe a week and a half, I'm on point, right? I'm doing great. Then I get to, you know, hey, uh, honey, can you, I know, I know you got your thing, but can you do this, fill in the blank, right? And that's just landing. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just playing. No, we have the, you know. We, we, we have these things where it's like all of a sudden these, these unknown things pull from our schedule. They pull from our time. And next thing you know, we're a week behind. And then we're like, what do we do? Where do we go from here? And, and next thing you know, we're just like, eh, forget it. There's always next year's resolution. Um, and so we have a tendency to throw in the towel. So what I would encourage you to do 
What I would encourage you to do is uh, a couple things. One, make doable resolutions. Make doable goals. It's, you can revise your resolution if you need to. Um, but this morning, it's not so much about your resolutions or your goals, and it's more about the, the impetus behind it, the motivation behind it, the idea behind it, a fresh start. Something needs to change. That's the whole idea behind a resolution, right? Is that something needs to change. We recognize in our lives that something needs to change from the way that we were doing things. And so for us this morning, in your spiritual walk, in your walk with the Lord, I want us to pay attention to, is there something that needs to change? Is there something in your heart, in your life, that needs to change? It's a spiritual gut check. Right? Anybody ever have anybody ever play any sports in high school? Mine was wrestling, right? And as you can tell, I'm not a little fella, right? So when the coach would make us run, you know, I've had to repent for some of the thoughts that I had about that coach. Um, you know, we're out there running, and I, I mean, we're doing sprints and we're doing all this other stuff, and he, and I hate it when he said, "Gut check, gut check, gut check." Meant one of two things: one. Either do you have what it takes to get it done when you're exhausted, or let's actually see what's in your gut for this moment, right? So it was one of two things. So this morning is almost like a spiritual gut check, right? I want us to look inside. I want us to look inward into our spiritual walks with the Lord and find out is there anything, is there anything that would prevent us from living out the gospel in our community to the glory of God. Is there anything in your life, is there any sin in your life, are there any idols in your life that would prevent you from living out the gospel in your community to the glory of God? So let's start in 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin... We, have deceived our, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So, the first point I want you to get, this passage tells us something that is absolutely foundational to who God is. Starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. There's two points to this. One, this message we have heard from him and declare to you. This is a first-hand account. John is writing this passage. John is writing this book having been with Jesus, having gone through the ministry of Jesus, having seen Jesus crucified and resurrected. He's been there for the whole thing. John gets it, right? He gets the whole thing. He's a first-hand eyewitness. He says, what I'm about to tell you, I, what I have heard from the Father, 
okay and our culture is, is leaning in this direction and our, our culture is shifting this way, God has not moved on this subject. God's word is God's word and God is light and there is no darkness in him. So if God is light and there is no darkness in him and society and culture have shifted away from him, where does the darkness belong? It belongs to society and culture, not to God. So our faithfulness, now let me tell you, culture and society in and of itself are not evil things. But it's when people, flawed people like you and I, who are inherently evil, when people say this, well, all people are inherently good, right? On, on, the, on the inside, they're really good. No! No! Take a look at our nursery. Those kids are beautiful. They're wonderful. They're sinning they get it right my kids i don't have to prompt them to lie they can lie just fine on their own right i don't have to say hey guys y'all really should fight with each other you know they do that naturally sin is inherent in every single person inherent in every single person and it is only by the grace of God that we can be forgiven. And that's what this passage is telling us. It is by the blood of Christ that we have forgiveness. And so for you and I, for you and I, when we struggle with this concept or this idea of grace, forgiveness, keep in mind that the one who extends the grace, the one who extends the forgiveness, is completely perfect. He is completely light. There is no darkness in him. There is no sin in his nature whatsoever. So when the one who is perfect and blameless and innocent issues forgiveness to us who are guilty, who have sinned, who have fallen short of God's perfection, it is complete grace. It is something that we do not deserve but something that he gives us out of his kindness. As the Old Testament calls it, his loving kindness, his hesed, that is, is without end. God is light. There is no darkness in him. Now, let me, let me also say this, too. Just because there's, and, and Brother David touched on this in our devotion and men's breakfast this morning. He was like, you know, there's these people who say, well, the devil made me do it, and the devil this, and the devil that. Let me tell you this. There is, there's an idea, it's called dualism. Has anybody ever heard of dualism? Right? Dualism is the idea that light and darkness are in this epic battle. Pretty much every movie, you, every action movie you've ever watched is about dualism. 
that there's this big battle between light and darkness, and they're fighting each other, and, and who's going to win? We don't know, and the light pulls it out in the last minute. Every, anybody ever watched a horror movie? Be honest. Me too. Right? In a horror movie, especially one that has like an exorcism in it, right? You see the person who's demon-possessed, and they're doing all kinds of gross stuff, and then there's like this epic battle that takes months before they finally cast the demon out. But in the Bible, Jesus walks up and says, get out. You know? And that's not even long enough for a preview. You know? And so when we, but when we think about this battle, there is no battle between light and darkness. Light drives out the darkness. Light rules the day. God is our eternal, sovereign, heavenly Father who is in complete control of all things at all times. Darkness don't stand a chance. And that includes the darkness that resides in us. So the, this morning, as we talk about this idea of light and dark and forgiveness, and I want us to be real about those parts in ourselves, the darkness that, that sometimes dwells in us, that we need, to, we need to let God's light shine in on that darkness and run it out. So God is light. He is perfect. There is no sin in God at all. In this passage, in this passage, you'll notice that the word if is used five times, right? And it's, it's, he, what John's doing is he's laying out the plausibility. If this, then this. You're going to see that five times. So he says in verse, in verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we are lying and are not practicing truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. There's these five F statements. The one that I want to focus, there's th I'm going to focus in on all of them, really, but... Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. Brothers and sisters, when we talk about this, if we say we have fellowship with him, if we say we have fellowship with him, but we're not walking in the light, the number one reason that I hear people tell me they do not want to come to church, not just our church, any church, that church is full of hypocrites, right? I could say, I could name any church, and they're going to say, I don't want to go because the church is full of hypocrites. And this is the greatest example. It's when we claim to have fellowship with him, but we do not walk in the light. Now, the word walk here is, is also in the, next, in the next if statement. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. The word walk in both of those, verse 6 and verse 7, the word walk is in the active tense. It is something that you actively do. It is a conscious choice that you make. So if you're making the conscious choice to walk in light or walk in darkness, you have a choice. You have a choice. How you spend your time, where you spend your money, how you list your priorities, you have a choice. You didn't read your Bible today? You had a choice. You didn't spend any time in prayer? You had a choice. 
You chose to get snarky with your wife? <laughs> you go pay for it. Um, <laughs> you know? But you had a choice. You made a choice, right? You could have eaten a salad at lunch, but that double bacon cheeseburger was calling your name. You had a choice, and you will reap the heartburn. My point is, is that, is that it's not benign. It's not by accident that you didn't read your Bible. It's not, it's not an accident that you didn't spend any time with the Father in prayer. It's not by accident that you didn't serve anybody but yourself. It's not by accident that you didn't share the gospel with somebody. It's not an accident. It's intentional. It's a sin of omission, not a sin of commission. It's not something you did. It's something you didn't do that you should have done, right? And guys, we can, we can talk about it all day long and say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better. I'm going to do better. And you can do better. And I can do better. And we, as the body of Christ, can do better. But it will be because we intentionally choose to do better. It will not be by accident. It will not be because of a resolution. It will not be because some external thing that presses in upon us. It will be because of something that God does in our heart and that we intentionally choose to be obedient and faithful to that. Brothers and sisters, if you grow or don't grow, it's because you chose to or you chose not to. If I want to get stronger, if I want to get stronger, I got to go to the gym, right? And if I don't go to the gym, I can't expect to get stronger, right? It's a cause and effect. You want to know God... You say, God, speak to me, but you don't want to read what he's got to say. You want God to know what's going on in your life, and he knows what's going on in your life. And you, want, you say you want connectedness and closeness with the Lord. You want to feel a, a, a connection with God, but you don't want to make the investment in prayer. We say that we, we want people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We say that we believe that the message of the gospel is the difference between heaven and hell in somebody's life. But who have we shared that message with this week? I'm just as guilty as you are. So please understand that when I'm saying these things, I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. But brothers and sisters, we've got to be intentional about living out the gospel. Now, at this point, at this point, it would be so easy for us to feel this mountain of guilt and shame, right? Because that's what we do sometimes in church. We, we heap up the guilt and the shame, and we, we, we feel bad, and we'll walk out, and, and you guys will tell me, well, Pastor, you really, pre you really stepped on my toes today. That was a good one. But inside, you mad at me, you know? He didn't have to say it like that. You know, I mean, he didn't, he didn't have to say that. Um, and so, but what I'm really saying is this, is that together, brothers and sisters, there's hope. And the hope's coming. But before we can get to the hope, before we can get to the change, we have to acknowledge what needs to change. You need to take inventory. I need to take inventory. We need to take inventory of our lives and where we are so that we know what needs to change. Before we can get to that transformational moment, before we can get to that moment where, where that balance, the, the scale tips, before we get there, we've got to know what needs to change. 
in your heart, in your mind, and in your life. No one has to spell it out for you. Right now, you know what needs to change. You know what in your heart needs to change. You know what sins are binding you up and tripping you up. You know the struggles. Maybe you've struggled with them for years. They're not new. You're tired of carrying that burden. So this morning, I want you to be able to identify that. Just between you and the Lord. But marinate on it. Sometimes we have a tendency to, to, to live in denial and block these things out and act like they don't bother us or act like they don't exist or they're not real. This passage, he says, walk. Are you choosing to walk in the light or walk in the darkness? It's a choice. It's active. Which one are you walking in? Take note. Then he says in the next one, uh, starting in verse 7, If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Skip down to verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So here's what I want you to get. We say, if we say we have not sinned. We've gotten to a day and age where we've tried to redefine what sin is. And then I hear it more and more. And so, okay, I got to admit, I do, I like the Today Show, right? So I watch the Today Show in the mornings and, and, and I kind of hear what's going on. I kind of get like maybe a half a spoonful of news and the rest of it's like, you know, life hacks. And okay, I like Al Roker, okay? I'm just being honest. Al Roker's the man. So when I watch the Today Show, this, 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 the other day, I think it was, I don't know if it was yesterday or day before or a couple of days. Anyway, sometime this last week, as I was watching the Today Show, they had Oprah on there. Yeah, yeah. It's already a bad note, right? I said Oprah. Um, and she was like, live your best life. I'm going to live my best life. And I kept hearing this over and over again. Live my best life. And it was, it was of course, it was like Weight Watchers and, and all sorts of, live your best life. And and it was talking about the choices that you make and the freedom that you can have and not living under the condemnation and the judgment. And, and, and they were obviously taking this idea of live your best life and they were applying it to other areas of life. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, the best life is found right here. The best life. You want to live your best life. It's not doing what makes you happy. It's not doing what makes you happy because that's, that's temporary. That's temporary. And at the end of it, you chase down that road of doing the things that make you happy one after another, after another, after another, and you will find yourself empty and alone. But the reality is, is that when we live God's best life, when we live the life that God has called us to, it will be a life of sacrifice, it will be a life of meaning and purpose and adventure. It'll be the life that God desired for us to live. And it won't match up with what society and culture say is right or normal or whatever. My point is, is that if we walk in the darkness, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. In our culture today, 
when we've stopped calling homosexuality a sin and it's just a lifestyle, when we've stopped calling divorce a sin and it's just normal, it's just, it's just part of life, right? It's still a sin. And you can deceive yourself, but the truth is not in you. You can deceive yourself and say, well, this isn't a sin. It doesn't affect me. But if it is a sin, then it does affect you. That's like going to the doctor and the doctor telling you, you have cancer. Well, I'm not going to believe that truth. I'm going to live my best life for the next three to six months. Um, that's what it's like. But that's what we do. We look into the word of God and we see that something's wrong or something's right. And we, we choose to ignore it. There's a consequence. There's a consequence to ignoring it. Don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Because the truth is not in you. And it doesn't matter what your title. It doesn't matter how long you've been at church. It doesn't matter how long you've been a church member. It doesn't matter how many Bibles you have or, or, or if you went to seminary. Any of that. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is the word of God in you? Are you living it out? Are you living out the good news? Are you staying true to what God's word teaches? Are you walking in the light? And then in verse 10 he says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. It's like, there's a, it's, this is not the technical term that they use in, in hermeneutics in seminary, but it's like a sandwich, right? So you have, Verse 8 that says, if we say we have not sinned, and verse 10 says, if we say we have not sinned, there's an echoing of this idea. If in verse 8, if we say we have not sinned, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So in verse 8, the truth is not in us. In verse 10, his word is not in us. His word is true. But if we say we have not sinned, brothers and sisters, if you say you have not sinned, if you say you don't struggle with sin, if you say that there is no sin in your life, you're deceiving yourself. Think about this. Jesus used 12 men to change the world. We've got over 200 sitting in this room today. Can we change Clayton? Can we change Johnson County? Can we change our neighborhoods? Can we reach our neighbors with the good news of Jesus Christ? We can. We can. And so all that mountain of failure, all those things that we failed on, all, those, all that sin that came to mind, all the, all the bread in the sandwich... It's about to come to life when we get to, to what makes it what it is. And that's verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your salvation is not dependent upon what you do. It's dependent upon what he did. It's not because you're good enough because you're not good enough. It's not because you have the greatest plans. It's not because you love God more. It's not because you, you give more. It's not because you show up more. It's because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's it. So the reality is, if we confess our sins to a holy, righteous, perfect God, who is light, there is no imperfection in him. He is 